0: ahead tv
1: yeah that's fair i suppose it's yeah is, is that is there much in the way of like english language tv over there or is 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 it all just
0: it's all like
1: in german yeah
0: yeah it's all german and even because germany is big in dubbing mm-hmm. when we have some like blockbuster movies or like Cinematic movies, real real movies from wherever, all over the world, they will be in German too. They won't even be in original language. Sometimes we specifically, on some special days, to special times, they would screen original, but only on some channels. But everything is German dubbed. It
1: mm. wasn't that the that was the thing with um Arnold in Terminator. I think that the dub of Terminator where he. Okay they had to get a, a german dub in because of his his german accent was too his german is even plural. worse yeah. <laughs>
0: amazing yeah could it be, sounded could like be. a
2: farmer or something Yeah. Mm.
0: <laughs>
2: That's, I, used, I used to work with a german something. head teacher and apparently she never i never heard her speak any german and apparently the german teacher at the school possibly might have heard her speak german right but kind of the german teacher could get away with just about anything and the kind of this the, the kind of decision amongst other people was that the, the german teacher had actually identified that the this head teacher who kind of presented with quite a posh english actions for somebody who was not british possibly came from a, not a very nice Came with a bit of a rough German accent. I'm not sure the best way to describe it. <laughs> kind of, sort of, almost like you get regional accents in the UK that are kind of maybe looked down upon to a certain extent. Right. And we kind of get, we we kind of got the impression that maybe this this German teacher was getting away with things like that, getting away with things because they knew this, and almost was holding it over the, sort of the, the head teacher as kind of a yeah. Let me get away with stuff or I'll tell people that you're actually from a really common part of Germany and not at all posh like you pretend you are.
0: (laughs) I mean, within Germany, we make fun of all different kinds of dialects. Obviously there's like a north south and the east west, uh, you know, rivalry where you're like, oh, you sound ridiculous. No, you sound more ridiculous, but I don't know. There are some dialects where people agree upon like nationwide that they are more funny or sound more. I don't know rude or weird than others (laughs) but yeah Mm.
1: there's a hell of a lot of parallels between uh the uk and germany in that respect right and we have
0: tons of different dialects there must be hundreds like you can go from one village to the other and it's going to be different Mm. you have probably got the same issue
1: Mm. absolutely yeah kind of the density of population that just didn't travel outside of their own little bubble
0: right
2: so I saw I saw something on might have been Instagram a few weeks ago, and it was somebody. It was one of these kind of uh, reels where there was some Americans sort of saying how they you know they travelled like four hours to go out for dinner, mm. and they were sort of saying about oh, hey yeah that's like yeah what well, yeah oh I've got a friend in Bournemouth and know yeah, I found out that Bournemouth is like four hours from London and yeah going and, and it was like and somebody a British person kind of went and said. It might be four hours but that could be a million miles in terms of kind of what's mm. happening a you're right. not going to be able to travel from bournemouth to to london in four hours because of the traffic the starters getting anywhere on the m25s can automatically add three hours to your journey then there's the whole thing about kind of yeah, actually the different every county and even even that you say different villages yeah it's like yeah. the one village you won't talk to the people in the village three miles down the road Heaven forbid, yeah, that, that's kind of like they're a completely different species. You know, they, the accents are completely different. And that's just the kind of way you know, Britain's sort of grown up. Uh, yeah. I mean,
1: like where where I grew up in the, the kind of the northwest of, well, yeah, northwest, but uh, Liverpool and Manchester are the, the two kind of sort of rival cities up in that, that way. Um, you know, again, lots of kind of, stuff went on around World War II in terms of there was a a, a site kind of in between the two of them that was a a, a jumping off point, if you like, for like American planes coming over. So there was a lot of uh, influx of Liverpool and Manchester coming into that area, but they still had that same rivalry. And the rivalry has gone on for hundreds and hundreds of years. But you always kind of grow up with this, known rivalry between the two and then i i moved when i was in my teens i moved into that kind of that town in between the two and it's it's a mix of people that were displaced during world war II in, into there so it's it's a kind of a melting pot of both the big cities and even still you, even though these people have you know second or third generation on growing up in that that town that's a mix of all of them th- there's still that kind of ingrained rivalry despite the fact that you're constantly mixing with them it- it's utterly pointless but it's just kind of it's the way it's been it's the way it shall always be
0: <laughs> <laughs> right mm-hmm.
1: and they're like 20 miles apart it's ridiculous
0: right i mean the two one generation back too definitely but even one generation back people just stuck within their village in a certain lake mm-hmm. you know they, they wouldn't move away and then just like since i don't know when this whole let's study abroad let's go somewhere started and people like young people actually started to go somewhere else but my family already is a melting pot of dialects and weird mixtures of like all over the places but now I'm so far away from my village and everyone else is still down there in the south. So people stick usually with their with their yeah, small towns and it's it's really cute. And I, I also I admire if people want to, you know, preserve certain dialects. There are even people who write mm-hmm. books within that dialect to kind of keep those stories and those mm-hmm. specific things because they can die out quite fast, right? And it's not just the way people pronounce stuff. It's also completely different words for things, right? So it is quite fascinating. And then even in some dialects, some words, yes, right, right. Some dialect uh, words, specific words, even have then some weird connections to completely different languages. And you're like, oh, that's where you got that from. So you have German, and then in the dialect, suddenly you find like, I don't know, a French word, a Polish word, an Italian word, and all these things really, again.
1: makes sense that that one traveler who brought that in with one shipment of something 150 years ago and it's stuck
2: yeah 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 Yeah, i I grew up up in south wales which is a lot of i mean south wales is quite quite big but the southeast wales there's a lot of valleys and the valleys are quite separate so you get different accents slight variations there's somebody outside of the valleys they would they would just think it was a valleys accent but if you grew up in the valleys and and sort of you you'd recognize the sort of differences but there was definitely a difference also not just in kind of the accents but in the the way people talked and we I mean, for example there's a lot of uh, italians moved to sort of south wales um sort of pre-world war ii and, and post-world war ii So that that had quite an influence as well. So, yeah, quite a lot of ice cream (laughs) parlours. But then there was, because the history of Wales and the way the Welsh language was almost eradicated, but little bits of it kept. And certainly for somebody my age, because I was, it was a few years after I kind of, when I became an adult, schools started teaching Welsh again at primary school so a lot of people born in the kind of 19 late 1980s uh, and through effectively become bilingual Um, particularly if they kind of keep it up a lot of people don't but if if they keep it up yeah there's a great potential to become bilingual but even when I was young and, and obviously before I was we had something what we called wenglish which is where Welsh words started to come into English and so you you'd get fra- you get phrases that would you'd be speaking English but then you'd throw in a Welsh word
1: mm.
2: so a common one particularly as, as a child you know you, you might get somebody kind of yeah you know, a parent might come come have a coach cWtch and a coach, what? <laughs> a coach cWtch basically it's Welsh for a cuddle. Cute. So, quickly, <laughs> so, kind of, yeah. so it's kind of and there, there are other words like that as well where you'd kind of, you know, other words get sort of thrown in and sometimes the words would be amalgamated so you'd get partly an English word and partly a Welsh word together, I can't think of a good example of that off the top of my head um, but you'd get that merging of a, uh, a phrase as well so you, there was this whole kind of extra language almost and you get similar i mean you get similar in england as well particularly like if you go far yeah. Yeah, far north northeast for example yeah it can be really difficult to understand uh not just in terms of the accent but also the phrases that people use and that can yeah, like
1: kind of scots influence down into
2: yeah kind the kind of yeah the full the following english yeah. yeah
0: by the way with the Kutch, it's quite cute because cuddle in german is cushion so Kutch and cushion is not too far yeah. So there you have another connection. Yeah, so Welsh maybe could be
2: interesting. Well, she's I mean, Welsh is an old language, so right. yeah, it may well have borrowed mm. from, um, yeah, some of the sort of the older Germanic languages, which often then led to sort of modern essentially
1: Germanic. it's really old Celtic, isn't it? Really,
2: yeah, See so, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Welsh is one of the oldest European languages. Mm. Um, yeah yeah interesting stuff language isn't it yeah all
0: right i enjoy it it's been it's been my main thing my whole life studied languages continue to learn languages i love it and you the more you look into it the more you discover like some weird connections that are Mm. so funny connections between you know things that you would never have thought have something to do with each other so it's great
1: yeah i i think there's there's obviously, you know, certain obvious connections with stuff like trade routes or mm. traded commodities that have similarities in in words and things. But yeah, I think there's there's some really interesting. I um, a, a chat to uh, a guy I worked with today who's recently started with us, and he's uh, Hungarian, but now lives in South Wales. Hungarian so, is wild. Exactly, That's there's crazy uh hungarian estonian and finnish all have uh, similarities between the three even though they're geographically they're one language group
0: yeah
1: yeah Yeah. but there's a jump away from from hungary
2: that's yeah very bizarre
0: Mm
2: -hmm. the finnish is supposed to be very hard isn't it very hard language to learn
0: it looks so cute it looks so cute
2: (laughs) the little dots yeah Yeah.
0: too many of those omelettes you think German is crazy. They are more crazy. They use all of
2: them. <laughs> I thought For a while, I was thought there was, uh, there was a, there's an Instagram uh, channel, uh, which I can't quite remember the name of, but it's a British guy who's been living in Finland for yeah, 20 years or so. And he sort of talks about kind of the, the, the Finnish language and, and some of the idiosyncrasies of the Finnish language. And sometimes he'll be like, I can remember once he put up some like five words, and they they looked identical, but each one had a, just a very slight variation in how it was pronounced, and, and they meant five completely different things. <laughs> and just yeah, you would not want to get some of that. I can't remember things again. Memory poor. I can't remember what they were, but some of them you would not want to get them mixed up.
0: Right. <laughs>
2: Yeah. It'd be quite embarrassing to get them mixed up.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah. An, old, an old friend of mine from college. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm.
0: Please, please, Jamie, go on.
1: was An old friend of mine from college, he, um, him and his wife were both learning, uh, Cantonese cause she was, um, she worked in a, a Chinese restaurant and he would do deliveries. So just, you know, she was learning it sort of passively by working in the kitchens and stuff with the Chinese chefs. And he was learning it just for the same kind of, you know, through osmosis with his wife, but then because he was doing deliveries as well, as kind of a just trying to ingratiate himself with it. Um, He's saying that there's uh, a couple of times where you, you get the phrase in ever so slightly wrong and it drastically changes to, uh, yeah. you know, something that that might sound to us to our kind of bland ears you know mm. kind of sounded no different or you know you could lose it in an accent kind of thing but
2: than uh, so thank so- you for the delivery please may i eat your pet horse yeah <laughs> yeah
0: something like that <laughs>
2: yeah it, I but, mean, so hmm. there are a few that were just
1: just close enough that you know if you if you picked that particular phrase and got it wrong, you'd be punched in the chops, you know, straight into um, some some bad slang and things like that.
0: I mean, the good thing is or could be like, if you look obviously foreign and they know that you're trying and that it's not your native language, they might be kind enough to get the context. And then they will know what you meant and they won't take it in a bad way. But still, yeah, I just wanted to add to what andy also said with these slight differences uh we have this in german as well even you wouldn't think um just the way you pronounce the word the same thing where where you would say like oh yeah chinese is wild german would never be mm." we have some words if you put the stress on a different syllable it means also something completely different so if you just read it could be the same but if you hear it there's actually a difference so even german is doing weird things where you would think ah You just read it how it's written, easy. Mm -mm. Sometimes it's tricky.
1: Totally, totally attest to that with um, doing it on Duolingo and getting the the I and the E the wrong way around.
0: Right, right. One is just a long E and the other is something completely different. And then, yeah. Also, there are many words that just have this switched up as the difference in those words. So for foreign I, it's like, what is it <laughs> but what languages do you have on on uh, Duolingo
1: I, I you just, learn... just the German
0: just German okay I thought you do some other crazy things maybe who knows
1: no I, I when I first signed up for Duolingo years ago I did look at Esperanto oh, yeah. um just for no other reason than because it's Esperanto um I don't know anyone else who knows any of it other I'll than say say fans.
2: actually use I'll say
1: when you actually use it. In fact, I tell a lie, there was a guy who, again, I was at college with, so 40-odd years ago, that um, his school was some super religious school. I think it was nuns, Um, and he was Esperanto as his first language. Wow. Interesting. Quite crazy. Yeah.
0: But, Jamie, did you have any, like, French or Spanish at school, like, any of those Roman languages?
1: Yes, yes, okay. I, did. I, I did French, Latin, and ancient Greek.
0: Okay, so then Esperanto must have been like easily understandable, right? Or did you? Yeah, how was I, this? Because I haven't touched it. I, much, I've all but...
1: kind of struggled with languages, but I, I think part of it is self imposed by telling myself that I struggle with languages. So yes. that's it, <laughs> it's confident. only. Well, yeah, it's only it's from having so many German friends that I sort of thought, um, well, you know, maybe I can give this a go because at least then I can right. you know I've got people I can speak to, or I can not feel as stupid speaking with. you know I mean, kind of at thing. least
0: on paper, it looks similar enough sometimes. There are a lot of words that are basically just the same. so that's that yeah. helps if you already know English, German is easier than for others, but still. Yeah, Taxi. crazy things. <laughs> <laughs> no, other things as well. Like, I don't know, bank and book and book is not too far or whatever else we have. Yeah. We have so many internationalisms now, like in Germany, nobody speaks a, a single sentence without using at least one English word. So we're getting there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of England, I can only apologize
0: no nah, it's it's fine we had these discussions always like is it something bad happening to the language or is it just something that how a language works and evolves and there have always been two sides like are these yeah. influences bad or do we just accept it as something that we as humans just naturally do and i think it's fine i i don't struggle with it yeah even I these understand. grammatical errors where people say oh you don't say it in that way even there you could argue like this is just how it evolves to make it easier to communicate and then it's fine i don't know
1: i I used to be really the other way um because like through school it was it was very much here's how the language got from from latin or ancient greek to now here is here is how words are supposed to be here is how the language is supposed to you know it's very um prescriptive kind of this is English. This is what it's supposed to be. Thou shalt do things correctly. And then finding out, you know, kind of a couple of years ago that actually, you know, the dictionary is descriptive, not prescriptive. Yeah. And that, and then listening to the, there's a podcast called The Illusionist. That she's mm-hmm. a um, Helen Zaltzman, the woman who runs it, is a phenomenally talented linguist. Uh, of language historian, I suppose, in some ways. Um, and they, they had a the particular episode about that kind of that, that change in the language. And it just, it, it completely just turned my world upside down with that. Um, yeah. But I, I think that we've, we've kind of all got a, a bit of a fear of something getting away from us, you know, the language evolving and then us not being able to keep up sort of like that that kind of fear of missing out or fear of looking stupid or you know i think you've only got to spend 10 minutes around a teenager to know that it's not worth trying to keep up with it
0: (laughs) and also these things are actually you know it's necessary to to set yourself like set a boundary between you and the other generations you know sometimes you you need this for your identity and to to feel connected to some groups more than to others right with the dictionary that's quite interesting like it's it's just a snapshot of how while the dictionary was made the language looked like and the moment you publish it the moment you put it on the shelf it's already outdated like
1: (laughs) absolutely yeah and it it is (laughs) just a a, it's a description of how the rest of the population uses the language
0: right and we have so many text documents now like okay thousands of years back when people didn't write down everything they were like Mm -hmm telling others all the stories. That's sad because that obviously gets lost a second people go somewhere else and then that old language is gone forever. But nowadays we have so much documentation of every little thing we're doing that these mm-hmm. language changes will forever be like set in stone and we can look back and find exactly how people were talking. I don't fear that things are lost anymore. Like right now we have enough written proof of how everything has been then
1: Hmm. yeah the information age isn't it
0: right
1: there's um talking of that that sort of the the separation between the generations um there's a, a comedian in the uk who he was talking about that kind of generational jump in terms of things like text speak um and saying how his his generation and and the kind of the that kind of similar age bracket were of that age of typing a text message out in in full English or you know in the full language but the the young generation are using text speak so it's all the the you know shortened phrases and numbers and representing words and all that kind of thing but then he noticed that his his parents the generation above started doing the same thing
0: Mm.
1: and it was because we'd also kind of had that same bracket of having technology and growing up with you know this kind of modern technology so like his parents generation got their first mobile phones to keep in touch with the grandkids so then the grandkids who were doing the tech speak are the ones who taught the grandparents how to use the phones
0: right
1: so it's sort of in this Bubble in the middle where the, the generations either side of him are, are using text speak, and he's the only one kind of still, still speaking in proper, <laughs> proper sentences and paragraphs and proper grammar. You
0: know. Right, but I can I can feel this difference. Even though my mom and my grandma, they both use WhatsApp. They're texting. They're using their smartphones all right and they are connected to like even my grandma watches YouTube videos to learn dance steps or to learn whatever a a song on the recorder or I don't know still like when I talk to them because usually the whole day I talk to people who are more or less my age and then when I'm on the phone with my mom or my grandma I suddenly realize that I have to think before I talk like I have to consciously think before I form a sentence because I know if I talk with them like I talk with my peers they would not understand half of like all these slang from those memes you know things that are like common like generational memory or like things that we all like all these insider jokes i cannot talk like this with my parents they would be like what is she saying so i have to consciously stop myself wait can you say this in proper german (laughs) and without using weird insiders from like the internet because they're not that deep into this.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I love that phrase of uh, generational memories because that is mm. that is so on the nose for what it is. It's that kind of shared experience, isn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah.
2: So how many languages do you speak, Pierre?
0: I mean, if we talk only, like, properly speak in a way that I can actually function 100% in those languages, then it would be four but if we're talking like uh, small talk and other little things or at least like knowing about the language and having used it in some context then it would be eight i think yeah Ooh. but i'm still working on it this is not the end let's see
2: so what's the what's the four german english
0: polish, polish check okay nice. hmm because i Um, studied those and i've lived there and i've studied them for long enough so that i can actually actually use it in real life but then i've also learned uh, to read and write russian so i know the Cyrillic alphabet and i can use it at least to some extent but it's different enough from polish and czech that it does not help (laughs) and then norwegian and uh Then I learned Slovakian, which is so close to Czech that in practical use, it's almost not distinguishable, so I wouldn't count it. And at school, I had French and Latin, which I can still understand, like when it's written somewhere, but talking with a French person, you should know (laughs) this is a challenge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then I've also started learning the Hindi alphabet a few weeks back. Because I work for an Indian company and half of my colleagues speak Hindi and then I just because it's on Duolingo, not all languages are there, but at least Hindi is there, so I understand the alphabet as well, it was like like a kid making up your own like secret language when you're writing letters with friends, you're like actually looking up oh how is like oh. If you don't even have the same alphabet, it's a real challenge. You first have to actually yeah. learn to read, like a five-year-old in preschool. You're mm-hmm. learning to read; it's such a challenge. But yeah, I, I, like I did it. the
1: same with um, with the Greek alphabet. Right. So, I, I, just to keep myself awake in meetings, I used to take my notes in um, in the Greek alphabet because it it had two things: of one, making me stay focused and awake enough to transliterate. And the second function of no one else could read your notes
0: right so you wouldn't write it in Greek you just would write English words but using the Greek letters exactly Great. yeah okay okay I mean half of the letters maybe someone could distinguish but there are some yeah, Is it enough that makes you weird, not able to yeah. just read it straight away yeah mm-hmm. but I did this with Russian because I could not write Russian but I can write the Russian letters so then I would write with my uh, co-student some secret notes that uh, the other language teacher should not know or the other students should know. It's fun. Be- you become a ten-year-old again. <laughs> <Okay>.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I must admit because um, with saying about like Norwegian, obviously we, you know, we have our mutual Norwegian friends,
0: right?
1: Um, and watching and you, uh, well, and Rasmus, yeah, but- <laughs> Friends
0: and Rasmus. Yeah, sorry.
1: We love him, really. But, um, yeah, seeing you reading a Norwegian script and knowing it's not a language that you are fluently speaking, but being able to just read something that's essentially conversational Norwegian, just... Just baffling to you know it's uh, it's a very cool thing to say
0: <laughs> I mean it is of course it's it's close enough to German that even someone who has never seen Norwegian before could distinguish some words could find out some things. it's not completely alien, but still there are some weird things in there as well, and uh, I by far don't understand everything, but at least it's now at the level where I can like have some basic conversations, small talk at least.
1: You can but yeah, pick context out fine. of
0: it, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's also, I feel like if you grow up with a, if your native language is like a world language, if your native language is one that everyone speaks, mm-hmm. then of course you're like, okay, why like get into this so much, right? And German is a language that everyone worldwide makes fun of. So I... Yep. Fairly quickly started to, to hide my Germanness, and I enjoyed speaking other languages and I enjoyed knowing other languages because first of all, nobody understands German. Like you, you move around like a few hundred kilometers and nobody knows what you're saying. So you need to speak other languages as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And then also it's not a very attractive language to, to many ears. So yeah, I think if you if you if I had grown up speaking English in a country where everyone understands me, then maybe I wouldn't even have bothered to learn like so many other languages. Maybe that's just like the the way. Even Spanish speakers, most of the Spanish speakers speak Spanish, and that's enough. You can survive in this world with Spanish.
1: Yep. So, <laughs> hmm.
2: well, so, it interesting be. The... Third uh, most commonly spoken language in the world i think could be Third or fourth.
0: so it's like mandarin and english and then spanish probably yeah yeah spanish
2: and, spanish and then i think french hmm.
0: french or uh, portuguese probably not no french definitely yeah hmm. exactly. and then probably some other like chinese variation i don't know if hmm. Because Mandarin, yeah, is top, but I don't know, many, some other Asian language should be also in the top top five or top ten at least.
1: Or wonder population-wise, I
2: suppose it's not just Hindi in India, is it? But... Yeah, yeah. No, they, they've got some like seven national languages, mm. I think.
0: I five. just know that even, even Hindi, like, it's more in the north, but even there you have the Punjabi and other, mm. like, every it's like it's such a huge country that even within the same state people have so many different languages or dialects or variations and in the south it's more tamil which is one of the oldest languages it's like on the same ranking as like ancient egyptian and like it's one of the oldest languages it's also spoken in sri lanka what you mentioned you had a friend from there maybe they spoke that too could be
2: Mm. There's, so, there's yeah. definitely an issue in, in in the UK with the idea that, yeah, you know, well, if I speak English, then I don't need to learn any of yeah, language.
0: Yeah. Which, which and then you, you even speak a kind of English that nobody understands. So yeah. <laughs> how dare you?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, mean, it's a, I mean, I studied French-German in my first year of secondary school, uh, first three years of secondary school. My second year I picked up Welsh as well, but that was so I could get out of games because it was an option and it meant I didn't have to do games. But then I dropped. I kept the German on, but only so after so, I, uh, so three years of two, two of those also with a, a third one. Uh, but then I kept the German on because my I was really into physics and I had a physics teacher who said, "Oh, you've got to do German." But I had a really really poor German teacher. There were two boys and twenty something girls, and the girls all sat in a horseshoe around the German teacher, and the boys we were stuck in the corner, just giving worksheets, which is absolutely useless. Um, so I, that that was my worst exam, yeah, by far. When I was sixteen, uh, but then I, I started learning it again. When i was kind of in my early 20s because just has so a thing it didn't
0: completely I, I, traumatize you you went back to it
2: no i kind of wanted to sort of pick <laughs> it up voluntarily yeah yeah <laughs> and i, I yeah, i've been doing duolingo now for a while as well just trying to pick it up because my, my wife is a linguist she's uh, she's mm-hmm. a language teacher she teaches language german is her primary her degree was german but Same she's i like. mean she's she's similar to you yeah multiple languages. Yeah, you know, she's she's fluent in she denies she's fluent in French. Mm-hmm. The last time we went to France, she was she was asked to do a survey uh and asked which part of France she'd come from. Um so sure. I kind of basically you can't say you're not fluent in French. Yeah if if they're asking you yeah you know, what you you know think yeah. about where the, you yeah, live the yeah survey, then yeah yeah so I mean so French and German are her two main languages. Swedish was her uh third language at university um along with the german and the french she did mm-hmm. sweden as well so spent some time in sweden which of course then means that she's actually you know she can pick up quite a bit of norwegian and danish right Obviously, the similarities and having the german background um right. and she can pick up quite a lot of understanding from dutch mm-hmm. and Flemish and yeah, so and, and in Spanish because, of course, you know, the romance languages, and yeah, I, I would, we went on holiday the first time we went on holiday to Wales together. And she started picking up, she by the time we come back on holiday, she it's more Welsh than I did. <laughs> yeah, she, I
0: think the more you learn, the easier you learn, and the more connections I've you have, the, that, yeah. the easier it gets, right? And even yeah. you found like when you have, for example, if you know French spanish on paper is almost the same like it's the obviously the pronunciation is like continents apart but (laughs) at least what you write is quite similar even the grammar but yeah it helps if you already know a language from each family and then the others from those Mm. families are quite what fascinated me so much was when I had linguistics at university, we were obviously talking about those language trees and how these languages evolved and which branch is coming from where and how through some you know, huge movements in the past, the languages were traveling among continents, like not only trade routes later, obviously, but first, like there were some huge movements of nomads going like mm. traveling thousands of kilometers over time, bringing some influences. And I knew that all the European languages are called, like you have some some Indo-European or Indo-German. So you know, okay, there is a connection coming from some like Sanskrit roots or like from, from, traveled from India somehow and mixed with the European tribe languages, which I knew as a theoretical concept, but obviously I had no contact with it whatsoever. And now that I started learning Hindi, suddenly I'm like, it is true there are hindi words and i've made a list i've written them down so far i found five words that are the same in hindi and in polish like same (laughs) in the sense of it's almost the same like almost the same not letter for letter but same enough that you know this is the history and then you think like what do poland and india have in common (laughs) nothing yeah but suddenly you found some words where you're like okay those are not like Slavic roots and then you find out oh it's the same word in Hindi How, wow so this uh, some sometimes languages actually make sense after some time so i can imagine that your wife Andy would be like fluent oh, in Welsh that. after yeah. like a few days because it's just like suddenly everything makes sense yeah. and then
2: <laughs> yeah i, I mean am the welsh is i would suggest quite different although as you say yeah there are some similarities like Kuch and cuddle um right. but there are it, it is quite different. I mean yeah just the fact mm. it's got seven vowels instead of five. <laughs> yeah, it changes yeah just how it is and not all the letters um so there's no in Welsh traditionally there's there's no J. There's no letter mm-hmm. J. Which is mm. odd because a very common Welsh name is thought to be Jones.
0: How do they write it then?
2: <laughs> well originally it would have been with an S.
0: Hmm.
2: And it' just it, it's the kind of the the influence of the the English right you know, through the kind of medieval times again very sorry the suppression the suppression of the English but it's interesting if you look at the history of kind of the English language or the languages in on in Great Britain you know because you've got the you've got the influence of the the Danes coming across here mm. from scandinavia and and, th- and then of course coming up from as the the norse men the north men the normans mm. uh and if, from the invasion william the conqueror but then you get if you look at um not that i have but if you if you look at something like cornish there's quite an influence on if you look at the genetics of co- people in cornwall with um a long family history of sort of being in cornwall there's a, a massive connection down to kind of Portugal wow. and there's a kind of a, a, this connection also in the language there, right? but then you get the, the other one that I came across recently as well was if you, uh, go around the world and look for places where there is kind of, um, mining infrastructure. So mm. digging in the grounds, mm. digging, digging holes in the ground, you will find in the, the language from kind of over the last kind of from you know four or five hundred years ago the influence of um cornish and welsh miners because they would go to different parts of the world because mm-hmm. of their expertise in mining and that would have an influence then on in the modern modern languages mm-hmm. um in those countries so similar to say the kind of the trade routes from the east yeah um And kind of bringing, and the variations. The other one is the variations in trade routes. So,
0: Hmm.
2: chai and tea effectively are the same thing. The division
0: across Europe of who uses this and who uses that. (laughs) The
2: division is based on which travel route. The chai (laughs) came over land. The tea came by sea.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm.
2: It's it's it's, it's a fact. It's it's really really fascinating.
0: And then so many times you have like just basic politics, like in all these Slavic countries, you have countries that use Latin alphabet and countries that use Cyrillic alphabet. It's quite like 50-50. Mm. And, and then you think like, why? Uh, especially since the Cyrillic alphabet makes more sense for a Slavic language, it's way more economic. Yeah. You can produce like a long sound with like one letter. While if you use Latin alphabet, you would need four letters to produce that sound. So the Cyrillic alphabet is quite like perfectly shaped for those languages. But then you had these two churches, right? You had like the Eastern and the Western church. And based on what that ruler in that country was feeling like, who they would want to be influenced by or what kind of language or power structure they would want for their country, they chose the, uh, the other language right and then some people were like okay we want to distance ourselves from the eastern church so we take the latin mm. alphabet which now especially in polish people struggle with because they have like five six consonants in one go without a single vowel and you're like Ugh, why would you go through this if the Cyrillic alphabet has like one sign for this but it's like purely a political choice it, it doesn't make sense like other than going with one certain type of religion or one certain type of style right so that's also hmm.
1: it's now just making me think of the whether we could adapt the english language the Mm -hmm. uh, Mm o-u-g-h chunk (laughs) because that can be pronounced that group of letters can be pronounced seven different ways right depending on the word so if we had that as a as a single letter how we could simplify english that would you Probably
0: mean not, to, to distinguish it. between like for and tough and whatever you've got going exactly on there. yeah that's right oh <laughs>
2: that a rough the struggles
0: bow? of English students yeah. wow we loved those growing up
2: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah I mean the, we need... the place in the UK called Loughborough which has got two of them and uh, it pronounced two different right. ways
0: Oh, yeah. English city names like uh, like location names are the worst because you never know how to pronounce it. If, if it's words like normal English words that you use, then you hear them a few times and you got it and you automatically do it. Right. But with these location names, you don't hear those in songs. You don't hear those in everyday speech. Yeah. So you look at something like this stuff. I don't know. Oh, yeah. And you than
2: Bicester.
0: like or or all of these shires, which could be like words. Ugh. Yeah. No well, I mean,
1: that, that's a perfect one of, of if you know the origins. Hmm. So anything with like Esther or Sesta is uh, an old Roman settlement.
0: Right.
1: So anything that ends in that is going to have those kind of Roman origins. So it's, it's that chunk in history. And then there's a load of uh, kind of Anglo-Saxon, influence for a, a, another group of towns and cities and then right. there's the norse influence as well so that, that kind of all you know kind of uh danish and norse influence on the on a, another group of cities again so yeah there's there's not quite rules to it but there is a there is at least mm, sort of a pattern
0: right right yeah. obviously yeah. i think like if you live there for a while and if you've heard some of those names you will both- figure out those rules and then you know how to pronounce a word even if you see it for the first time yeah. but until then we will pronounce it in ways that it will curl your toes in the wrong way <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah. yeah
1: it's the track the that's it is. yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that was it a, a friend of mine is um, south african and um, he, uh, he moved from South Africa to the UK back in the year 2000. And he was a truck driver and one of his first kind of, you know, jobs was it was basically handed a map and told to drive this truck to Leicester. And he did exactly that. He was told, go to Leicester. It's on this motorway, turn off at this point. And he rang his boss up like really early in the morning. He's like, I'm, I don't know where the hell this Leicester is. I'm I'm at a place called Leicester, but you told me to go to Leicester. Where the hell is it? I'm at the junction you told me to go to. I sort of had a, this, hey. you know, this boss chuckling down the <laughs> phone at him, calling him a, a few very Trust interesting Trust me, it's mates. the
0: same thing. Okay, if you say yeah, so.
1: <laughs> pretty much.
0: Hmm.
1: You're there, turn left. It's fine.
2: <laughs> it's fascinating, isn't it? it really I mean really really is but it's I love
0: it I could like my two of my like my two best friends they also studied languages but they studied Roman languages so she's from Brazil she speaks Portuguese he's from Germany and he studied Spanish and Portuguese and both of them studied then French and Romanian and like all the Roman languages you could think of they've touched at some point and they, like, when they come to visit me or I visit them, we will talk about languages and we go deep. It's like some serious, like, nerd talk. Like, what did you learn? What did you learn? What connections do we find? And even there, we found some weird connections between Portuguese and Polish, even culturally, or, like, the way they live their religion, the way they prepare their food, or the way they just pronounce certain consonants, like this this way that you sometimes feel like Polish is just a, a bunch of sh Portuguese is the same, like if if a Spanish person goes to Portugal, like the European Portuguese, I mean, because Brazilian is completely different again, Mm. then you feel like some weird connections. And then we would sit there and discuss languages for hours. And this would be our only entertainment for the evening. So there is no (laughs) end to this.
1: I I forgot the name of that one. uh for what the, that language that uh richard was telling me about from the talking mining in africa um thinking of the afrikaans but um yeah the, the the from the diamond mines and emerald mines in kind of zimbabwe and uh south africa they have a uh specific language that was made for the for the mining Towns essentially, because um, they'd have an influx of uh, people who were working in the mines from all over Southern Africa, um, but then in from wherever they could get them as well. So, what they do is basically have like a, a, you know, a couple of days of training on speaking this um, this particular language that was kind of a lingua franca: is it's a little bit of Zulu, a little bit of Afrikaans, a little bit of English. A kind of a mix of uh, enough. It's a very um, instructional language. The idea being that if you're down in a mine somewhere, you don't know who it is that you're going to be turning to and working with, It might be someone from South Africa or somewhere else, that you can at least communicate in a way that gets someone out of danger or does the task that they need to do. And that's a, a really weird kind of very funky language and it sounds very weird and disjointed as well it's uh
0: would be interesting to know if they like after like not working in those minds anymore or having kids and like like carrying on like if they would keep this language or those words and like carry it on and then even two generations who have nothing to do with minds anymore but still talking that yeah. next way. Well,
1: it, it, it's happen- very weird because it is uh a very instruction based one um i know about it from him giving me directions in the car Mm. because he just naturally that's what he's sort of practiced in doing so whenever we're going you know driving somewhere and he's giving me directions he'll he will speak it in that language at me and it's even just as an english speaker you you can pick up the context Mm -hmm. easily enough you know with only getting sort of percentage of the words themselves it's
2: very cool I don't know what that's
1: called
2: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, th- I think languages are cool I th- I, as i said earlier there is an issue certainly in the uk with kind of you know oh everyone speaks english therefore we don't need to learn any other languages mm. Although they then get the people who are good linguists natural linguists who will pick things up or people who come from homes where they are uh exposed to other languages mm-hmm. so they will often kind of develop particular skills certainly in the kind of area that i live we have quite a large population of um nepalis so there's a lot of hindi is spoken mm-hmm. um so you get as, as well as other languages, we, we school i taught at for a while we until they were made redundant we had a, a teaching assistant who spoke eleven different Indo, uh, eleven different languages, but that included English. But it, the majority of her languages were kind of uh, indo asian languages. So, yeah, you know, uh, Punjabi, Hindi, the whole raft. If you consider this sort of you know Pakistan, Afghanistan, um, mm-hmm. Iran, Iraq uh kind of yeah india and that she had a whole wrap she was Mm -hmm. such a useful person to have we often had parents who had you know because the the, the nepali's come through from because the uh gurkhas are some of the gurkha regiments Mm -hmm. are based locally so you often get multiple generational um so less of a problem but sometimes you know if they they're over you know the, the dad has come over with you know parents and they've got they've got a child and the you know the child's in the school mum might not speak any and dad may have very limited english skills most of which are based around kind of the military um mm-hmm. because again like the mining there's that military kind of application but conversational english or english regarding kind of educational ideas that they need for dealing with the school with their children very very difficult so yeah absolutely invaluable unfortunately government cuts got made redundant
0: of course that's the first cut their cost they're going to cut that's yeah. always like this in those uh yeah something
2: useful so we can communicate mm-hmm. with people yeah well, why need that <laughs> So then you'd have you'd have parents' evenings where you're talking to the child, and the ch- you're asking, getting the child to translate for the parents. You're thinking, right,
0: right? Yay. are you really telling?
2: Are you really telling your parents just how naughty you've been?
0: <laughs> sure. Teacher says something, and the kid will be like to the parents. So they're saying, "I've been very good, and I've behaved super, and my grades are improving." Sure, sure, sure. <laughs>
1: i need more snacks
0: i mean it will be weird if the mother like, or the teacher looked like this and the child is saying something completely different then the mom might suspect Hmm. hmm. have you gone off course here but yeah <laughs>
2: no he always looks like that yeah he's, just really angry. <laughs> sure. angry. he's an angry kind of person yeah <laughs> and five minutes later they're the other side of the parents even often in like a, a hall or gymnasium or something so there's lots of tables out mm. and they might look back and go but he's laughing now yeah was he laughing <laughs> yeah, at that yeah. so what, laughing what at that
0: happened child. back
1: in there yeah. right oh he's, he's telling them the off that's he he's okay. does everything backwards when he's really angry he's actually
0: <laughs> right <laughs> keep trying
1: <laughs> funagalo by the way is the is the um, pigeonized Zulu from the uh-huh. mines.
0: How do you spell that? Heard of that?
1: F-A-N-A-G-A-L-O
0: Okay. Yeah.
2: Hmm. Never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've talked, talked about it before, but I've never there was a name for it. Yeah, yeah
1: it's, it's a, supposed to be like a lingua franca type similar idea right. behind Esperanto and everything as well as that kind of manufactured language for a purpose. That's relatively straightforward and simple to learn kind of thing. The, you know, the idea behind it.
2: So, it's I did, go, go on. Sorry,
0: yeah. not finish because I'm going to change the topic probably. <laughs> <laughs> please, please go on Andy.
2: <laughs> well, I was just going to say it's interesting how some people can learn languages and the, the environment can change how languages are learned. So probably in the minor they learn that quite quickly in uh, saw a video a little while ago talking about how uh legionnaires in the french foreign legion they cannot they're only allowed to speak french they are not allowed to speak any other language but of course they come from all over the world so they mm-hmm. have to get to a working level of french very That's very tough. quickly in a matter of weeks well i think I, I think it kind of possibly helps the fact that yeah if they don't get it right they get beaten but yeah it.
0: i don't know if this motivation helps for everyone yeah. but yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: incentivized yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> the carrot and stick approach yeah. Yeah. You will, yeah you will learn french
0: but that's also a sad part of like this the saddest like one of the sad parts of of the all those um, whether it's a british colonization or from any other country like Sometimes being like of okay, you speak our language now and you forget your native language and that's it. Mm. And if we hear you speak it, that's a problem. And
2: oh yeah, I mean the Welsh. And then the Welsh so many things are like yeah. yeah. Well,
0: yeah. There was there was an so no idea much.
2: called the Welsh knot. Mm. The Welsh knot. If you with the in schools, if you spoke Welsh, this is going back, mm. this is in the, the 20th century, early 20th right. century. If you spoke Welsh at all in school as a child. They would literally hang a board around your thing and get you done, stand in the corner with you know Welsh not written on it. Hmm. They did not want you speaking Welsh at all. So wow. the language. There were pockets of of so there's there's areas of North Wales that are that are first language Welsh. Hmm. Similarly, in West Wales, there are some pockets that are first language Welsh. South Wales, Southeast Wales, so around Cardiff, where the majority of the population of Wales is welsh was almost entirely lost
0: mm-hmm.
2: um and it was only in the, in the in the 1980s when the welsh government basically went we, we, this is not good we're going to get everyone now and so the number of people speaking welsh has actually increased it was a dying language mm-hmm. it was seen as a dying language and even in kind of the, the areas where it was first language in North wales the, the amount were, were decreasing um, and that then led to you get yeah you know, aspects of violence there, there was a there was an organization that became quite violent in the 70s and 80s called my being which were the sons of sons of um Glindor, which was the they basically were like the the welsh ira and would blow up people's second homes so if somebody huh. kind of bought a nice little cottage in north wales that was english yeah they, they they'd burn it to the ground and stuff like that um cause they didn't want the kind of houses being lost to the locals and the language being diluted. Um, yeah, at at my, my father-in-law, Welsh, yeah. my, my father-in-law least, you know, in, in,
0: in exam- Sorry, Jamie, <laughs> 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 I just wanted to say it's a good example for how they managed to keep it alive or like re survive it because it's not the case for all of them. So please, your yeah, it, my,
1: yeah, my, my father-in-law did some, work in north wales and on farms and stuff when he was in his kind of uh early 20s i think and he'd learned enough welsh to be able to walk into the local pub and say it's all right lads don't worry kind of think um just to be able to walk in as an englishman and you know not come to harm kind of thing you know, it's like some you know enough welsh to pass kind of thing
0: yeah. but it's crazy to think that it like it had to be like this, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. over some weird ideological, whatever.
2: Hmm. Historically, it was a suppression. Yeah. It mm. was a suppression, you know, the the Welsh by the English, um, which can date you dated back to kind of, you know, Edward the first, uh, back in the 14th century, I think I remember rightly. Mm. Yeah. And it's just been going on for years. And luckily the, the Welsh culture was strong and, and there was, may still maintained a the storytelling and the singing was is, mm. which is what kept the language alive right. beyond those little pockets uh, and i think the, that's it, it,
0: exactly it, hmm. that's for so many languages poetry
2: yeah. old poetry
0: yeah. and old songs that's how those Culture, languages survive. Yeah. Well, there's also so many of these other like very small tiny native languages all over the world the only thing they have is some like tradition of old song, and that's the only way or only place where you find those languages still, because no one mm. speaks it anymore. Mm.
1: Yeah, Tom Jones has got a lot to
2: answer for, then Andy and Max Boyce. <laughs> 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 the people will never have heard of um, Max Boyce was a Welsh poet and songwriter who was kind of very right. strong in the kind of sort of seventies and eighties, um, associated particularly with the rugby. It's interesting actually how welsh rugby which is, rugby is a, a very important thing in wales and the, how the the there was a massive uh correlation connection that there, there's, there's a an event in 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 wales called the Eisteddfod, which is a kind of a, a collect a, a, a coming together and celebrating song and poetry um and they, 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 you literally have this—you have little events all over, it but there's a nationalised event uh, with thousands of people now come together, and they, it's all in Welsh, and they celebrate the Welsh language and the Welsh culture, uh, and poetry and song. I mean, Wales is sometimes known as the land of the song, and that kind of spread into kind of rugby. So when kind of you get like a rugby match in the sort of the 60s and 70s, um, you'd get the kind of the, the supporters would join together and and it still happens now, but it it really kind of kicked off in the sixties and seventies and into the eighties, they would celebrate and and encourage through song. And some of that would actually be in English, but some of it would also be in Welsh. Um, and so that actually kind of kept the kind of the, the language and the culture alive um even where other areas it was being suppressed and not being taught in schools for example that is nice. yeah, it's, it's fascinating stuff but you wanted to change the topic yeah
0: okay. i first of all wanted to ask if i can get up and get myself some more water before i die of coughing. Of i mentioned can. before i'm having a cough now it started i'm working on it breathing deeply but yeah i wanted to ask what you guys have been up to the past weeks like maker wise What's your latest? What are you working on? What's happening in your lives in these okay. depressing dark times? You know, what keeps yeah. you <laughs> motivated, you know, in a way that you're like
2: once we're well, an hour in, this is probably our kind of attention grabber as well. well yeah. At the end of the main, main sort of uh, part of the show, before the after show, uh we sort of talk about our attention grabbers. So that's probably a good thing to sort of talk about attention grabbers, and then uh we can swap over into the the after show for the Patreons um so jamie do you want to go first with kind of your, your attention grabber and what what's yeah
1: i mean well it, my kind of maker stuff uh in the last kind of couple of weeks has just been a little bit of prep and trying to sort things out um i, I took advantage of, a, of a, a sneaky black friday deal so i've got a I've got a, a new toy on order um of a, a New 3D printer. Mm -hmm. So, this weekend, I've been trying to kind of sort all of the stuff that's off camera and try and make space and all that kind of prep for more making type stuff. Um, Because hopefully, that should actually inspire me to get back into doing a bit more of that. That's my, my kind of plan. So, a little, little bit of like pottering.
2: Would this be a, so, a uh, high speed multicolor printer?
1: Maybe. Well, maybe. But uh, yeah, so I, I've been doing a little bit of just little bits of tidying up and stuff and bits of sorting out little rolling carts and things for stuff and organizing paperwork and all that kind of bits. Um, but also for the long-time listeners that have had to put up with my servers and stuff whirring away in the background, um, I'm also trying to uh, fix that problem as well. So a little bit of like tech nerdery, kind of making making new digital stuff in my uh, in my house. That's been kind of uh, it's been my my kind of I was gonna say focus then, but I'm not allowed to use that one, am I? It's a yeah, yeah, yeah. good winter activity,
0: you know. You don't need yeah, absolutely. to do those things.
1: <laughs> yeah, putting hygrometers everywhere to see what's, what's a safe place to put some technology mm. in.
0: I <laughs> could never. This is a mold paradise. I'm fighting against my humidity in the, in the uh, apartment every day, <laughs> ventilating uh-huh. and heating and trying to fight off the... Uh, Winter, I know if you
1: can see it on yeah. the camera, but I, I put one of these that was empty about three weeks now, maybe, maybe a month ago. And that is a significant amount of water that uh, is that this with is, the
0: salt block, or what is it? Is yeah, it's so it was a salt block in, hmm. in
1: the top, right. and that's pulled a good kind of
2: hmm.
1: you know, half a liter or something out of uh,
2: out of the air in here. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? You you kind of Yeah, we we produce moisture just by breathing and add cooking and drying clothes. And, yeah, we want to kind of keep windows closed at this time of year because it's so cold outside. And trying to sort of balance heating off. Yeah, it's Mm. it's tricky.
0: Just before the show, I put up some I I put up some laundry and I just know I have to ventilate the hell out of this place afterwards, because otherwise, when I wake up tomorrow, the windows are going to be completely wet. It's horrible.
2: Yeah, we get condensation. Uh,
0: if I had a balcony, I would put my clothes outside, even in winter, but I can't, and it's the worst. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe I yeah. need yeah. one of those things, Jamie. Hmm.
1: Yeah, they're, they're pretty cool. I, I I left it in here just as a kind of a test, and I'm quite shocked at just how much moisture it's
2: pulled out of the air. There's been a, there's been a lot of um uh things in the sort of media in the past sort of year or so because the cost of living the cost of electricity going up and uh gas and things mm-hmm. like that and people talking about yeah you know, how difficult it is to kind of yeah, heat your home and dry your washing and stuff like that and over the kind of course of the past year or so i've seen of some variation in kind of sort of things talking people talking about uh don't, i'm not using a tumble dryer anymore because it's so expensive to run and then people mm-hmm. talking about having if you have just an error, and then you just you just let things dry with the heat of the room, it's slow, and you put a lot of moisture into the air, and then you can get heated errors. They're quicker, and they, they don't they're not expensive to run. They're not as expensive to run as a tumble dryer. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not quite so quick, but recently I've seen several articles talking about having uh, dehumidifiers and using those. And just having a normal error, but then running a dehumidifier again, much lower energy use than a tumble dryer, but dries the takes the moisture out of the air, so actually then the the, the, the washing is drying quicker, um, and does. for a fraction of the price even of running a, a heated error, uh, and without the damp issues. So maybe look for a, a cheap dehumidifier. Yeah,
0: yeah. They're even like these fancy ones, you know, from Dyson that also filter the air from pollen and dust and whatever stuff. I've only heard about those things, like these air purifiers that are like just taking through the air and taking out all the particles that could be like harmful for people with allergies. I don't know. I have never tested them. I don't know if they're actually great or if someone has experience with this, but yeah. A friend of mine actually just recently bought a humidifier because her apartment apparently is too dry <laughs> and putting wet towels on the on the heater is not doing it so she actually bought a humidifier and I was like are you serious can we please switch our Swat. problems because yeah. like how is this an issue
2: That's
0: how far away problem. is she is she yeah.
1: far away that too far that you can't put like a big long tube she actually
0: <laughs> Like for, for Hamburg uh, dimensions, she's quite close. Uh, but no, I could not put a tube, connect our windows, and be like, you breathe my air, I get yours. Fine. I wish. Hmm.
1: Just equalize between the two.
0: Right. Two tubes. I mean, each of fan
2: facing different direction. <laughs>
0: I mean I'm I'm managing fine with just like after cooking or after opening the dishwasher, after making a tea, just opening the window for a few seconds to get the majority out and then afterwards yeah. heating again, trying to keep the temperature and humidity levels at the perfect sweet spot. But yeah, it's a hassle. I don't know. And also now that it's like minus outside, I don't feel comfortable opening the windows, but obviously I have to. Yeah. And then you yeah, can't let them you open just bring like... in in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, outside it's quite it's it's still drier than here. But yeah, if you open it too long and your apartment gets too cold, then it's also not good because then if the walls get cold, if you leave the window open or if I don't know, you have to reheat it then, right? So you have to find also the perfect time span of ventilating without getting it too cold, and then. <laughs> yeah just don't feel like this in the morning also then it's dark outside and you open the window so I first switch off all the lights Yeah. because you have the mosquitoes in the evening and then weird people watching me so I have to (laughs) switch off all the lights and then ventilate my apartment in the dark feeling like a complete idiot like walking slowly from room to room in the complete darkness just to get fresh air
1: yeah I I love the fact that that's the that's the order of problem though is is that it's the mosquitoes the bigger problem than the weird people <laughs> looking through the window
0: right right right
1: i think that's it that's a good way around
0: right and still i managed to get mosquitoes the weird people i haven't seen so much uh luckily so let's hope that the mosquitoes remain the only problem
2: <laughs> yeah i hate mosquitoes it's
1: the moths really? that i hate because I, I don't tend to get yeah. bitten by mosquitoes but moths seem to just like i don't know whether it's the, like the beard or something but I I used to, where I used to live years ago, um, right by a train track, and you'd get really, really huge moths, probably with a wingspan of maybe 70 or 80 centimetres. Massive things. 70 or 80 (laughs) centimetres? 70 or 80 millimetres, because I'm I'm thinking engineering. (laughs) Seven or eight centimetres. But I'd be you know, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning working on a, an IT problem with the window open to try and stay cool in the summer. And then this moth thing that's the size of a bird just, like, hit me on the side of the face. Yeah, it's just horrible, horrible experiences of being, like, completely in the zone those and then are, something in a, in a sealed room. Those are just room, shy
0: butterflies. Those are just shy butterflies. You have to, like, yeah. come on. They're, like they're the fine when they're not moving. It's the... it's when they fly yeah. at
1: my face that they. I, I have a true. Problem. True.
0: <laughs> I don't mind moths. So first... Much. Hmm. I first thought you mean those tiny moths, you know, that go into your food. Because once you have those, it takes a long time to get rid of them, and they can come Indeed, in any man. package of oats or in any package of whatever grains you buy, and then you have an infestation. That's that's a problem. Those I would have an issue with. The ones that come in at night, okay, you can get rid of them. At least they don't try to nest in your food. Good
2: point. Okay, so what making things have you been doing lately, or what's been grabbing your attention, if not making?
0: I mean, lately, luckily this year has been a year full of maker meetings in all shapes Mm -hmm. and forms. It started with Maker Central, then we had then I went to Oslo and met uh, Rasmus and Richard. And then I went to, then we had the Maker Camp and then we had Maker Fair in Hannover. And then I went to Oslo for the SCAPA Festival. So it has been one thing after the other, which is great. And since Leo and I live in the same city, we've been hanging out quite a lot. Yeah. So that's great. And Roxy as well. And uh, otherwise, awesome since I moved to Hamburg, my, most of my attention is working, <laughs> because back in Leipzig, I had the, the luxury of not having to work full time, I was a student, I paid basically no rent, and the rent in Hamburg is quite the difference, so yeah, it's mostly work right now but small things here and there I enjoy especially in winter I enjoy knitting and crochet and sewing and all those things that you have to do inside anyways and handling wool is not nice in the summer so it's a good winter uh, activity and uh, other than that just like small small things like helping to build a shelf here or building a small thing there and like whatever I can squeeze into those three hours of free time between (laughs) coming home from work having to eat and then having to sleep again before going to work you know it's like it's ridiculous this life as an adult but yeah you know how it is
2: it's a it's a trap don't do it people right yeah (laughs) Adulting is it sucks yeah don't do it Mm. yep right
1: (laughs) what about you andy what's been grabbing your attention
2: uh i have been collecting uh clock repairing tools and books. I've got a couple of clocks because I want to try and learn how to repair clocks. Uh, so I've had a few things arrive this week which has been good. Um, been dismantling, slowly dismantling some furniture in one of the bedrooms that I built uh, probably about 10 years ago because um, the room needs kind of redecorating and making it's dismantling well, with a well, view to putting it back together
1: or dismantling?
2: No, them? no, for kind of take a, basically turn a child's room into an adult's room because, mm. um, yeah got grown yeah. up children now um, <laughs> so yeah, trying to make it so it looks actually something that they, yeah it's nicer for an adult um, yeah rather than a, a high level bed with a desk underneath yeah, so so that's been, uh, that's been challenging. Um, so yeah, it's been going on for a, a little while now. It's got this, there's, there's quite a bit, a lot more to go because I can only do small bits at a time. Um, but yeah, so that, that's been, that's been my making side of things lately. Didn't get to MedShed this week because well, I've got my youngest has got a bad legs. So it has been to be looked after. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, though, because of that, they won't be getting the bus to school next week. So I'll be taking them. So I'll probably get into the shed and do some bits and try and catch up with some organisation and tidying that hasn't been done because I wasn't there. <laughs>
1: so, would not picking everyone else's cock ups.
2: I didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, where can people find you if they want to find if they want to uh, to, to in a nice way stalk you and find out more about the <laughs> stuff you do where where's where can they find you and look at so stuff you've done friend,
0: friendly stalking is uh always possible on instagram obviously as pampu making i don't know if people can see what's written under my video but that's basically it that's the channel the audio listeners won't be able to right. see it but yeah. so then the, <laughs> but they'll, the see the, they'll see the title so they'll, they'll see the title it. okay same, great, same great. as the
2: title of the show we will have your. And it.
0: Um, I mean, anything else? I mean, on on YouTube, the thing is, I think the last time I uploaded something on YouTube is three years ago. At some point during the beginning of the pandemic, when I still had mm. so much time. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> you know, especially I mean, you, you, you guys know it, doing something already is time consuming, but then documenting it and then editing it and then yeah. putting it somewhere. It's a whole different story. So. I was still hoping that at some point I can pick that up again. And I have so many ideas and there's so many projects lying dormant. Uh, but yeah, when, when, how, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah, other than that, yeah, on YouTube, you can find old stuff. And then other than that, it's Instagram, but yeah. Working on it.
1: I'm definitely enjoying the, uh, the adventures in the stories and things.
0: yeah this year has been quite adventurous i think i've never traveled so much this year i think i've been in five different countries in like a few months which is crazy but it's I've wonderful to experience so
2: vicariously yeah. I, th- I think you're the most traveled person that i know of that i've met that isn't kind of one of those sort of super famous um, <laughs> folks that Kind of... Maybe
0: I am super famous, and I'm just well, having a famous. double double identity, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like some kind of weird German <laughs>
2: well, I've seeing <laughs> people like Adam Savage, yeah, he kind of, is, and and the like who kind of fly all over the place and mm. that. It, I mean, those actually, are other
0: dimensions, though, you know, and and yeah. he probably gets paid for it, you know. I have to pay for yeah. it myself. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> that's it's, it's not fair, is it? How the people who can afford to travel the right. you know, can afford to travel the easiest.
0: Uh, good thing is though Europe right. is small and Hamburg mm. feels like it's far away from everything, but at least to the Northern countries, I'm quite close. So it did work out quite well, but yeah, if Europe was only like a little bit bigger, count me out. I'm not getting far. I just have this one radius of countries that I'm going to, and that's it. Well, I
2: think, that's I think because you're in Northern Germany. That, that's, that's quite a good location in terms of being able to travel to various parts of the. It, you
0: would think that like Hamburg being a big city and having an airport and being still in a middle European country is close to stuff, but no, it feels you're super far away. I think it would, if you are maybe in Frankfurt or Munich or somewhere in the South,
2: mm-hmm. you.
0: I feel like you're much closer to stuff. I feel in Hamburg sometimes like on a remote Island. I don't know why, but
1: so there's a lot of Germany in between everything. you yeah. and everywhere. South, Especially yeah.
0: like, even my own mother is further away than you guys are from me, you know. <laughs> or like yeah. when I was traveling to uh, I was having this joke with Rasmus, like I saw him like five times in four months or something, you know. <laughs> and I've seen my mother three years ago. <laughs> and she's in the same country, you know like I, th- I think I've is... seen yeah,
1: I think I've seen Rasmus more times than I've seen my dad this year,
0: right? See, What is with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Rasmus is everywhere, right? So yeah, so Hamburg is far away. My father did visit me a few weeks ago, and he came by car from the south, which is like nine hundred kilometers. And he drove by car to visit me for a long weekend. And I should have just bought him like a train ticket because even if the German German trains are not like. Um, reliable at least they're faster and cheaper than doing this by car but he insisted mm. and it's a crazy journey No, i that's
2: uh, yeah, a long can't recommend yeah my on the on the autobahn yeah foot down yeah it's four and a half hours isn't it
0: yeah ah i wish yes. i wish you forgot like the m was it 25 25 yeah yeah so so german autobahn there are some nice little parts (laughs) but even (laughs) if you even if you have like the fastest porsche and you can drive like 300 something in these little parts the rest of the autobahn is like a a continuous line of uh, construction work and uh, Mm -hmm. detours here and there and like hmm, it's not a nice journey no you're standing more than you're driving
2: sometimes yeah it's definitely definitely m25 yeah i think it sounds a lot like the m6 yeah it doesn't have any nice bits Mm.
0: (laughs) i'm a huge supporter of public transport and so far even with the slight hiccups of strikes or something Mm. being on the tracks or something not working or a bridge or a tunnel having issues still it's the most reliable or like the fastest way to get from a to b in hamburg as well Taking the train from my home to work is like thirty minutes, and taking the car at the same time during rush hour would be like over an hour sometimes. So,
1: yeah,
2: it's not worth it. Mm. I used to, I I used to, a few times I've commuted to work by train, and I I quite liked it to a certain Mm. extent. I don't, I wouldn't want to do the kind of long the London commute. Mm. Yeah, that that, that's not nice. But yeah, kind of just grabbing a train like you say. I used to live in uh, Bournemouth right down on the south coast and to get from one side of Bournemouth to the other it was cheaper and not necessarily cheaper but it was certainly easier to Mm. just jump on the train. I was was, yeah, five minute walk from the station. My job was five minute walk from the station at the other end so it was just so much easier than trying to drive through a seaside town. yeah, but a lot it definitely I mean,
0: I like, can't speak for all the cities, and and if you live in the countryside and you have to commute to a big city, sometimes you have only two buses a day. What um, will you do then, right? And if it doesn't fit your work schedule, then you need a car definitely. So, I'm not trying to say that like public transport works all the time. Mm-mm-mm. There are like, cases where you can like not do it, but. Especially yeah. in big cities. Usually if you especially if you have the tube or something, some like really fast means of transport, then that's always a good
2: yeah, option. Yeah. Let's uh let's uh, close up here uh for the main show and we'll dive over to the uh the after show for patrons. Um so we will say goodbye to folks. Uh we will see you next week. And okay. yeah, that's it. If you wanna if you wanna hear the rest of the show, then you'll need to uh sign up on makerswaffle forward slash uh, uh no, patreon.com slash one. makerswaffle I'm a week off i've forgotten how to do it uh <laughs> bye you, folks
1: you, you folks know where stuff is
2: yeah yeah so bye bye, bye.